You're listening to the C Word Radio, the podcast where we ask, what the f*** does young cancer survivorship mean? With me, Helen King, and guests. Subscribe and rate on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And welcome back to the C Word Radio. Joining me today to share her experience of being diagnosed with sarcoma at nine and then going through cancer for a second time at 17 is Susan Harworth. Susan joins us from Hamilton and she's had a bit of a strange experience with a cat burglar this morning. Thank you so much for joining me, Susan. Thank you so much for um, having me on here, Helen. And yes, I definitely thought I had a burglar in my house last night, but it was uh, a stray cat. So I'm very blessed that it was a stray cat rather than a burglar. I really um, appreciate you having me on here today to talk about my journey with cancer, both as a child and a teenager. Yeah, it's really interesting, I guess, reading that experience that, you know, as a nine-year-old going through that, which I imagine would have been huge, and then as a teenager, and they're both such, yeah, shaping times in a person's life. And so I know that how you came to be diagnosed is that you started having that pain in your right arm. As a nine-year-old, what do you remember about being told you have cancer or had cancer? I think the pain started during a Christmas holiday. We, As a family, we used to spend every holiday at Mount Illinois. And I remember just playing outside with my brothers. I think we got for Christmas, we got one of those games where you throw the ball and it hits the Velcro type thing. So, yeah, yeah. So I just remember, like, playing with that. And I just remember going to my mum, you know, and her first thought was, oh, have you fallen over? Have you hurt yourself? Have you exerted yourself too much? Like, maybe just sit down and... You know, have a rest, um, good old mum. And it sort of then phased off. And then about four months later, I just remember saying the same thing to my mum. And, you know, at first she sort of thought, oh, I wonder if she's like growing pains. You're still, you're still growing at that, at that time of your life. And it was only until she looked a little bit closer and saw that there was a bump on my arm. And that was sort of the true, true indication that something wasn't quite right and straight to emergency and the only time that I'd ever been in a hospital prior to this experience was the passing of my grandfather so to me you know hospitals were a place where you went in and you didn't come out and so I just remember having this thought process and being very wrapped up in the point that I was going in but I wasn't coming out of that place so it was quite quite frightening at the time not really knowing what's going on and 30 years ago technology wasn't quite the same and so Waikato Hospital didn't have half of the things that we needed to be able to diagnose didn't even have an MRI machine 30 years ago so yeah so there was a lot of tests and a lot of discussion because the, the type of cancer that I had can be quite rare and so they weren't actually really sure what they were dealing with for quite a long time um, and it was only until I went to Auckland and had that MRI that it was very very clear that I had bone cancer so that's sort of how it all came to be and then the journey unfolded really from there. So you had a year of chemotherapy you're in and out of hospital and then radiation I mean that's huge in anyone's life it's huge as an adult as a child I mean that experience must have been so far removed from what your friends and and schoolmates were going through what was it like going 
back to school after all of that had happened? I think for me as well, because obviously it's not just the emotional changes, it's the physical as well. I lost all my hair, you know, children don't understand a lot. So, you know, going back to school, there was a lot of bullying, not necessarily coming from from a cool space, it's, it's a lack of understanding. And so I was really, really blessed to be in a ward at Waikato Hospital with such amazing staff who actually came down to my school and actually in an assembly talked about what cancer is and how they can talk to me and support me. But as I said, I think it, it came down to more of a, a, a lack of understanding. And once they did, things really changed. Like people wanted to help, the empathy came out. But I was, I was very isolated as well because if a child was sick at school, I wasn't able to attend. So the parents had to be notified, you know, letters had to go out that if your child is unwell, please notify us so we can let this family know because your immunity is next to nothing. So the risk of getting sick is, yeah, very, very high. So, yeah, you sort of lost a lot of schooling at that time as well. Um, Hospital had an amazing school teacher, but you definitely felt removed and almost felt like you lost a year of school. And it was a year before you went into intermediate. So it was that big transitional time as well. We're just about to leave um, primary school and it's all big and scary, but not only did I have to deal with that, I was also, you know, fighting for my life at the same time. So, yeah, it, it definitely had some challenges going back to school. But overall, once the understanding was there, the, yeah, my friends and, and the children were really really amazing and so were the teachers so I was really blessed in that way and it's you said something there that I think even as an adult for I know for myself you yeah you're fighting for your life and as an adult that is a a lot to to take in and understand and and process were you aware of that at the time was that something that was in your head absolutely I think the doctors are, are are very real and open with children. I mean, as much as you can. But the thing I think that made me more aware was that I was not in hospital alone. I was with other children that were also going through the same journey. And so you become a community. I was also very involved with Child Cancer Foundation at the time. So you are spending a lot of your time with other children who are going through the same thing. So... Obviously, it came to a time where I did lose quite a lot of friends and you're having to deal with it at such a young age. And, and I felt sometimes I was going to more funerals than I was birthday parties. And so it, it's really real. It's very confronting. And you have to grow up really, really fast because, you know, that the whole funeral process isn't just attending. It's when you're friends with that person and you're part of their lives, you know, you're going and it was also a multicultural experience. I was going to a lot of tangis at a young age. And so, you know, I was part of that process. You're seeing people who've passed away and cast it really young. And so it made me really grow up very, very fast because I was having to deal with death at such an early age and, and having to understand what it meant. So, yeah, it, at times it was extremely sad but it's also sort of shaped who I am today as well it's really helped me like grow from a very young age as to how lucky we are yeah oh that's such a huge thing and then 
I didn't realize until I, I read your story a second time that when it came back, it was the radiation induced because I, I remember having radiation and, and treatment and things. And they sort of mentioned that, you know, there's a slim possibility. <laughs> that your treatment could cause it. And you, it just doesn't even really come into your head that that fear of reoccurrence is a thing. And so for you, it, it's come back, you're 17, but now it's not just radiation and chemo. You're having parts of your body removed and a, a metal prosthesis. So what was going on at the time? Are you deciding where to go to uni at 17? or? Yeah, so gosh, I was... 17 I was sixth form so it was a year before my last year um and like you say you know you always get told that there's a slim chance of something but after eight years after the five-year mark you sort of feel like yeah you're in the clear and so after eight years you know it is quite a shock to the system not just to you but all your specialists are like oh, wow we, we didn't see this coming and so you're at a different level of your life now. You know, at, at 17, you're learning and seeing the world in so many different, you know, when you're a child, it's all about play and imagination. And when you're 17, it, you're, oh, we're going to school balls and we're dressing up. And sometimes there's the boy there that you might have a crush on, you know, and there's image and there's, there's so many other things that you're having to worry about. And so for me, it was, a transition well okay this has happened what do I do now and it was my it would have been my last year of high school which I missed so what do I do now but as I said I, at that time all I could think about was what's the next steps like it's, it's one foot in front of the other I couldn't think about my future at that time or you know what am I going to do I actually had left school at the end of sixth form to start so I'd already started a polytech course when this happened so and I was so excited I yeah was in an adult world because polytech you know you sort of feel like you're starting like new so unfortunately that got put on the side and yeah my, my journey started again um, with cancer but at a whole different level I think once you've had it once there are so many things that you can't have or you get told by your specialist the risks with this and so it's not a brand new thing anymore, but it's also a slightly scarier situation because it's like, wow, you've had it twice. The levels of survival do get lessened. And you're more aware as well. Like as a child, I, you know, I was aware to a point, but this is real now. And so I think being a 17-year-old with everything else in the background and then now this, yeah, as I said, it was just one foot in front of the other. How did your how did your friends react? Were they supportive? Did you find that they? I mean, it's it's hard to understand anything when you're seventeen, let alone yeah, yeah. But I'm really blessed to have had the same friends since I was at primary school. So oh wow, yeah. And then I've obviously gained friends as I've gone through life as well. So at the time, I found it very hard to tell people who hadn't known before I, I sort of felt like as growing up I didn't want to be labeled as the girl with cancer and so it wasn't something I proactively went out and said hi my name is Susan and this is my experience <laughs> I sort of waited till I got to know the people and then I would share it 
yeah, a lot of my friends are quite shocked because they actually didn't even know that I'd had cancer when I was nine. So I try to sit, you know, 16, 17-year-old girls and boys down and say, hey, this is what's happening with me. Um, no, they were amazing. Like, they were still going through school. And so they were coming up to hospital after the school and, like, you know, times where they probably should have been doing their homework or their studies, being sitting with me and keeping me company. And I'm so appreciative of that. And some people don't know what to say. I think it, it's that, oh, how do we approach this? So there was a lot of almost silence from some of my friends as well because it's almost like when someone passes away, you know, and you're trying to console a family member or a friend and you've never been through that experience. None of my friends have really known anyone that has had cancer. So do I say this? Do I don't? You know, am I being sensitive? Am I not? And for me, I just wanted to be normal. It's like, well, what is normal in the scheme of things? And I think that's purposely why I never really went on and on about my cancer as a nine-year-old because I just, when I meet people, I just want to be known as me. I didn't want to have this stigma or label that this is who I was and it's only as I've come into an adult space that I've actually really owned it and been like you know what I'm not going to hide behind the word cancer anymore and almost make it feel like a shameful word because it's not it's an experience I've been through and it's something I'm actually really proud of in a sensible way it's not an achievement that you want to sort of Yay! But it, it, it's an achievement in itself that I can openly talk about my story now like I am with you and not have that, like, almost shame or fear. And so, I'm yeah, I'm just owning it now. And that's taken a very long time to really accept because you just constantly are trying to show people this is who I am. I'm not, I'm not the big C, but I'm just Susan. Like, and this is just what I've gone through. But now as an adult, I can't wait to share my story because if I can help anyone else or if I can make someone, you know, have a bit more knowledge about what it's like to have cancer and then their family member or their friend and they know just a little bit more about it or how to deal with it, then, yeah, I feel I feel like my job is done if that's the case. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. My job is a human. <laughs> And I imagine as well, because I, I know that, you know, you had to have some of your humorous bone removed and you've got a bionic arm, so to speak. And so I can, I relate to this by having a scar that, you know, and I have a breast missing. So it's not like I can't forget <laughs> I had cancer because there's like this physical reminder how has that post-treatment life been for you? How has it changed? the way that you approach life going through cancer the second time? Yeah, I think for me that has been my biggest challenge and my biggest hurdle was the physical elements. And like you said, it's a constant reminder that you have had this experience. And it's also, you know, with the pressures on society and social media and how we look and how we're supposed to look, you know, as a female as well, and as a 17-year-old female going through that, like, I'll be completely honest that the physical element affected my mental element. Like, I didn't want to go to the beach. I didn't want to be seen. I didn't want people staring at me. I didn't want to be asked questions. That post-treatment 
the first year I just felt like I wanted to hide away. I just didn't want the questions and the explanations because people are curious and that's fine. Like that's absolutely fine. But when you're dealing with your internal demons on, you know, how do I now live this life with an arm that is absolutely still there and so blessed because they were looking at amputation as an option. And so it's how do I live with this arm as a physical reminder, an arm that doesn't do the things I used to do. Like I used to play tennis, I used to play netball. Like how do I recreate this life, you know, with an arm and learn that this is who I am now moving forward. And it's been a huge journey. Like even now in, in my 30s, I'm only just coming into accepting my body. And I know for a lot of women that's stock standard. You know, we're constantly worried about are we good enough? And not just for myself, but, you know, even when I started dating and that sort of thing, it's like, how do I tell this person? Are they going to accept me? Are they going to like me? Are they going to, you know, so you've constantly got these thoughts in your head. And so for me, that's been a huge journey. Like I would say a 10-year journey to really learn to love myself and love my arm and not be not hide it like now I can walk in a shot with a singlet and I I don't feel like I've got hundreds of eyes on me I'm just like this is me deal with it like I can go to the beach yeah I'm physically like owning it like there are times that I struggle because you know simple things like getting up on a chair and changing a light bulb I can't I can't do and you know these things like even changing out of clothes sometimes I struggle so there's still the daily element that are that are reminding me but I also have that I suppose more mature adult sense of mind now that my 17 year old self didn't and that just comes with growth and acceptance so now I'm like this is this is my arm this is how it is like my scars are just a a story and not to be like ashamed of them like this is just who I am and the same like with your mastectomy it's just for a while you're right it it makes you feel like this is who I am but it's at the end of the day it's about just learning to like the acceptance I think is the hugest thing for me because it just once you accept it it feels like you're just free like you're free from everything that you've been holding on to and as I said it's only been in probably the last couple of years that I've really been honestly been able to say that I'm I'm free from this constant reminder it's just like I don't even think of it don't get me wrong I have my days where I'm like oh I just want to be able to hit a tennis racket or do this but then I'm like wow I can do all these other things so yeah you just have to remind yourself like what you can't do there's so many things you can absolutely it's interesting isn't it because I I couldn't wear my prosthesis for months and months and months because I had this ongoing saga with one of the drain scars basically because it never it just wouldn't heal and then because I had the chemo and radiation and all of this and um if you find medical things a bit squeamish is, is probably not the story oh uh, no I, I work too. in medical insurance so I yeah I'm all open <laughs> and so it ended it just wouldn't heal and it ended up a hole and so I had this hole under my arm and it ended up being fixed so thankfully but it, what it meant was for a very long time I couldn't wear a proper bra because of that area and so I just from very early on after my breast being removed I just 
I think I just got the fuck it and went, I'm just going to go out and have one boob and people have problems. <laughs> that's, that's their problem, not mine. And then sometimes I think it's kind of like being a walking public health reminder of go get your mammogram. Go get <laughs> yeah, but I understand. I mean, I'm not saying I'm like that all the time. Sometimes I do feel self-conscious, but I think you're right. It, it is this part that you sort of have to yeah, face and decide how do I approach this and how do I get to a point where, yeah, I can be okay with this. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a journey and it's, and I, I suppose that's also a, a misconception is that, you know, as soon as you walk out of that door and, you know, your specialist has said you're in remission, you know, that that's not the closing of your door to the journey of cancer. It's, it's lifelong. And whether yeah. it's mental, whether it's, physical for you and then you're also like going into journeys with your own like family and friends who've got cancer like I mentioned to you I recently lost my mum and so that was a huge journey not not only because you'd been through it but also watching someone that you loved with every inch of your body like go through that and so in hindsight that my journey helped like her journey but it also made makes it so much more painful when you physically know what that person is experiencing in, in some ways, the, the, the pain and the sadness and the thoughts of, you know, death and, and having to be real and face it. And, and my mum was an extremely brave and powerful person. And I think her experiencing as a mother looking after a child with cancer, not just once but twice, like I feel really gave her the drive for the like she was diagnosed and within within less than a year she was gone but she never complained she never and I think her experiences with me gave her that inner strength and she knew that she was going to be okay no matter where she ended up and even the doctors at the end said we've never met such like a brave woman who her priorities were her children before her and I think my experience had like gave her that that inner strength and so I think that's a misconception as well with people is that once the door closes to the hospital doesn't mean the door closes for everything else that we go through and you know for, for, for people it can be years and years of constant reminders or almost that survivor's guilt as well and that's something I wanted to bring up as well it's like you have this almost expectation and pressure that you should be bouncing around and then being, oh, I'm grateful. And as much as you want to, and you are, like in, in your heart of hearts, you are so grateful that you are here. You're also looking and thinking, well, you know, why did that friend, you know, didn't make it through? Or why did my mum not go through it? And so sometimes, you know, that survivor guilt is really real. And I think that's something I really want to put out there is that it's okay sounds cliche it's okay not to be okay and we don't have to be constantly convincing people or putting it out there that yes we've had cancer so we should be living this life where we're out there living you know the world and doing everything because happened to us and it's real and if I want to have the day where I'm not so grateful that's okay like I don't have to be 24 7 I'm so blessed to be here like you know, I have my days and I'm real. I'm still a person. And that's not just for cancer, it's for any, anything that anyone experiences. Yeah, it's, it's okay to have that moment where you're just like, I am angry. Like, 
I want to feel this. Why did this happen to me? Why did it happen to my friends? And it's okay. It, you, you feel it and then you move on. But I think survivors go is something that just no one talks to you about. Yeah, I so I so relate to it. And I was thinking actually after the first time that we spoke and I was thinking about this afterwards because you'd shared that your mother had gone through cancer and that you took a good amount of time off work. And I was thinking, I love that because it's just like what you're saying that I like we don't give people the time and space to grieve. We just sort of expect it to be like, oh yeah, they might still be a bit sad, but come on, like you got to get on with life. I just feel like we don't understand that grief can actually just be life altering and lifelong. And it doesn't mean that that person can't re-engage and enjoy life at a point, but it does mean that they have experienced a loss and actually there may be some time where they they need to be really tender with themselves. And so I think the fact that you took the time that you needed at that point, yeah, is admirable. It's it's a really loving thing to do for yourself. Because a lot of people would just be like, right, I'm going to take my two weeks off and then go back to work and, and get on with things. Yeah. I think, I think like grief in itself, it doesn't have to be like a physical grief of a person. Like I feel like in regards to cancer, like for you it could be the loss of, like my breast or the loss yeah. of the ability of movement or I feel like for cancer patients as well it's grieving that time you lost like you your life you had one to two years of your life almost taken from you so for me grief isn't just necessarily the physical loss of a, of a human you know grief could be the loss as I said of all these experiences like I lost part of my childhood. I lost part of my teenagehood. You know, I was, my friends were going off in parties and I was sitting in a hospital bed throwing up. So I feel like with, with grief, we, we always sort of look at it from the terms of a memorial or passing away. But I think as like people who've been through cancer, the loss is huge in, in so many other ways. And so, yeah, I just feel like it would be so nice to just, get that out there because as I said it losing my mum as much as it as it broke me and that's why I I took the time and I was just so blessed to have such an amazing company I worked for who allowed me to have that time because I didn't know who I was without my mum you know it's the person that sat beside me when I was sick for you know a huge four years of my life in two different periods and that's the person that brought me into life so who am I without this person so it wasn't just a a loss of a mother it was a loss of someone who also had been through something I had been through and and didn't make it and so for me like you said at the time I was should I be doing this because you're right everybody has a say on how you should process things how you should feel and I, I understand where people are coming from I understand they want to help they think you know you sitting in a pile of tears is not going to help but let the person deal with it the way that they need to because there's no right or wrong and that's what I've learned and I think that's the same with someone grieving the loss of a breast or the loss of an arm or the loss of time like let the person feel what they want to feel and when they're ready you know then they will grow from it and I just feel like that's something also lacking like we as I said we close the door from our doctor but where's the support like you know, no one said to me as a child, oh, when you're 17 or 18, like I went into some, into some really dark times where like 
it all hit me at once like the realization that hey I've been through all of this because you're so, you're on adrenaline like you're fighting for your life you you have to put one foot in front of the other so then when it all stops it's like okay so what next and it all hits you at once whoa I've actually just been through this humongous experience and it can lead to depression and I can remember times where like, I was just like I can't do this anymore and that's really real but I feel like where's that after support of anyone whether it's cancer whether it's heart attack like any type of disease or something you've experienced like where's that after support I mean I'm so blessed that I had Child Cancer Foundation, I had Canteen, and Canteen had some really amazing programs which help you deal with those emotions as well and lots of group chats and that sort of thing. But if you don't know where to look or you don't know, yeah, I, I find that quite upsetting in a, in a world where mental health is so huge at the moment. Where is the mental health for the people who've gone through such, you know, physical health? There's none. There really isn't because I didn't even realize that the rates of PTSD for people who've gone through cancer is higher than people who are in the armed forces and gone to active war. You know, you've covered it and explained it so well that we, the general population doesn't understand. Yeah, when we get signed off by the doctor, I've always said that's when the hard work actually really started because, you know, you're glowing yourself back together, but you actually don't know who you are anymore. And everything around you is the same, but you are so different that it's like, well, how do I even learn how to relate to the world? Because, yeah. You're so saying it and you're saying everything I I feel right now. Absolutely. And it's also, like you said, it's discovering who am I. And I feel like I've been through so many experiences. My vision of the world just really changed. And I really struggled to get back into social side of it because I felt like the world was so small um compared to the world I'd been part of like I had been part of other people's journeys with cancer I had seen like young young children who are so brave like children just blow me away like they're a next level when it comes to cancer like I feel like sometimes as adults we we could really learn from these like beautiful young souls because they have a fight in them. Like we complain about the smallest things and yet you see a child fighting for their life and they have a smile on their face. And to Mm. me that is just worth more than anything. But, yeah, I just feel like I really struggled because I had such a deep, like I'm an empath and I feel things so hard. I, I feel the emotions of people if someone's telling me a story I feel it so personally and I felt like I'd come back into this world and I almost felt like oh my gosh this world has become so shallow like this this bubble that I've been in and I've been let out into it I was like I don't want to be part of this you know like I've been through so much and watched so much pain of other people I just felt like everyone else's things that and don't get me wrong everybody's journeys are their own like no one's journey is bigger or smaller than mine but the things that we worry about in life and that we complain about and as I said to them might be so big just seems so small and I really struggled to interact and sit in conversations and people are going on about oh my gosh I oh my hair didn't turn out this way or you know like I didn't do this or oh my gosh this guy like ghosted me and like 
and yeah it's real and I totally get that but I just I felt like where do I fit in because I was just like oh my gosh let's just rewind here (laughs) yeah I just I really really and even to this day I struggle sometimes I just want to shake people and I'm like yes your stuff is real I'm gonna listen to you I'm here for you but come on guys like let's keep it real there are so many bigger things in the universe not just cancer but in general that you know so I just found for me personally like coming back into the world yeah I was a different person and I felt like I had moved on from a lot of the world that I used to be part of and I and I still struggle sometimes but I just I just have to remember Susan this is their journey your journey is yours and theirs is theirs and like we're all important in that biggest game yeah Oh, it's such a good way to put it. And yeah, because I, I struggle too. Like, I, I mean, I still struggle with social stuff because I feel like it's almost like I've forgotten how to interact with people. And then we had the pandemic and so we weren't seeing people. So <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I have no social skills anymore. Oh, you'll get there, hun. You'll get there. <laughs> We're doing this and this is amazing oh thank you so I feel like this is a really good place to sort of wrap up but before we do I like asking people this because this has intrigued me for a while because I have no idea what it really means either but what does cancer survivorship mean to you I I spent a lot of time last night looking at that word survivorship and I was sort of like how do you put words into what survivorship means because we're all surviving you know whether we've had cancer or not like every day we wake up we're taking one step forward and so so for me that sort of explains survivorship is the moving forward the acceptance survivorship doesn't necessarily mean to me like surviving through something like yes I'm here I'm grateful but I think for me I feel it sounds really cheesy and I feel like it's a duty for myself that me going through this experience and I've only just as I said come to terms with it and acceptance in it you know I've I've been going through the hospital system for over 30 years and I think acceptance is a huge word like for me because acceptance is like a word saying okay I own what I've been through and I'm now ready to move on. And so for me, being 39, nearly 40, it's taken me 30 years to say that word acceptance. So to me, that is survivorship. That's me being whole in my whole person, my arm, my experiences, my losing, my mother, like the pain, everything. It's just all wrapped up. And I'm like, it's acceptance. And so I think for me, that's what survivorship means. It's that one step in front of it, the other, and that's all you can do. Because it's it, even though I've accepted it now, it, it's still. I think my whole life, there's there's still going to be that growth and that journey. And I think I owe it to myself and to my mother, bless her, to do that. And I think I feel like you were brought to me at a time. Your pop up on my Facebook was just where my mother had passed or just about to pass and I remember just like saying to her oh my gosh Ram, I've like discovered this because I really feel you know there's not a lot out there in New Zealand I've reached out to Australia there's a really great another 
podcast called Good Morning and it's about morning. And so, yeah, like finding someone else was just mind-blowing. And at the time, I wasn't ready to do my podcast, but now I've done my grief and I, my acceptance. And so, yeah, I just feel like people are put in your path for, for reasons. And I think acceptance for me is, is a big word for survivorship. Oh, I love that. And what a beautiful note to wrap up on as well, because I, I think that is, yeah, such a powerful message. So thank yeah. you. Thank you for being open to oh, oh my gosh, Thank you for just allowing me to, to talk and having, you know, that voice that I think in New Zealand, the more we can get it out there, um, the more people are going to accept it's out there. And I think the more we talk about it, the more we're aware, the more we're going to be mindful of our own bodies, the more we'll be able to support someone, you know, if they do go through it. So, yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for listening. The C Word is every Sunday at 11.55am on Auckland's 104.6 Planet FM and anytime at www.planetaudio.org.nz forward slash the C Word.